Welcome to a powerful message from the Lighthouse Chapel International, Bronx North Branch. Lighthouse Chapel International branches worldwide provide every member the training, support, and encouragement to fulfill the Great Commission and to go to heaven and hear Jesus say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Join us for a life-changing experience as you listen to this message. grateful this afternoon lord we thank you for your goodness thank you for mercy we thank you lord for love we thank you lord for making way for us to be here this afternoon we pray lord that your grace will abound to us this afternoon we pray lord that you give us of your spirit to teach us that the father of glory will give unto us the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him that the eyes of our understanding will be enlightened that we may know what is the hope of our calling and what the riches of the glory of the inheritance in the saints lord we welcome your presence we give you glory we give you honor in jesus name amen Why don't you clap for Jesus as you take your seats, please. And turn with me to Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 5. This afternoon, we are sharing about the spirit of wisdom. The spirit of wisdom. And um, the spirit of wisdom. Proverbs chapter 4. And verse number five. Do we have our forms, our forms for Covenant Sunday? Wonderful. Okay. Proverbs chapter four and verse five. It says, get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee. Love her and she shall keep thee wisdom is the principal thing therefore get wisdom and with all thy getting get understanding says exalt her and she shall promote thee she shall bring thee to honor when thou dost embrace her she shall give to thine head an ornament of grace a crown of glory shall she deliver to thee. Hallelujah. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding. Hallelujah. Well, we've been sharing for some few weeks now on the spirit of wisdom. And We've been sharing so many things about the spirit of wisdom. And we're saying it is the principal thing. Wisdom is the principal thing. I'm not sure what things you are looking for. What, what are some of the things you are looking for in life? What do you want that will happen to you? Wealth. You want wealth. What do you want? You want money. Money. Joyce, what do you want? Long life. Long life. Ahmed, what do you want? Good health. 
Good health. What about you, Adelaide? Prosperity. Prosperity. Helena, what do you want? Peace. And wisdom and understanding. What about you, Sonia? You want to be drawn closer to God. Wow, wonderful. Wonderful. Uncle Caesar, what do you want? Peace. 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 Yes. Peace. Peace. You see, this is the, these are the things we want. These are the things we want. Now the Bible is saying, you had all the things that people want. And I believe that if I was to go around and ask all of you, your desires and what the things you want may be in this form. Isn't that so? Abina, what do you want? Peace. Look at that. Do you see? Peace. Amen. Amen. Frank, what do you want? Happy marriage. Wow. Happy marriage. Awesome. You see? How many of you want happy marriage? Yeah. Happy marriage. Yes. You see, these are the things we want. Now the Bible is saying, you say wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding. He says, exalt her. Exalt what? Wisdom. Exalt wisdom. Treat wisdom with respect. Exalt her. And she shall promote thee. How many of you want promotion? The Bible says that the key to promotion is wisdom. Acquire wisdom. He says, it shall promote thee. And she shall bring thee to Anna. There were some few people here who said they want Anna. Isn't that so? Anna. You want Anna. The Bible says, if you exalt wisdom and you promote wisdom, he shall bring thee to Anna when you embrace her. When you embrace her. He says, she shall give to thine head an ornament of grace. An ornament of grace. And a crown of glory shall she deliver to thee. When you ask for wisdom. When you search for wisdom. Amen. Amen. When you search for wisdom. So if it is a principal thing, then it will be a big mistake if we are saying wisdom is the principal thing. If it is the first thing. If it is the main thing, then it will be a big mistake. If you are going through or you are encountering certain problems, you are going through certain problems and you have not paused, you have not stopped and first consider whether or not it is a lack of wisdom, then you are making a big mistake. Because it is a principal thing. So if you are encountering anything, there is something that you want that you have not received it, such as peace, such as happy marriage, such as wealth, such as honor, and you have not received it, pause and say, is there a lack of wisdom? Is it a reason for a lack of wisdom? Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing with you? Perhaps it is a lack of wisdom because it is a principal thing. So before you move on to looking for other things as other spiritual causes or other things like, such as the enemy is doing something against you, consider that maybe there is a lack of wisdom. There is a lack of wisdom. Perhaps you don't have wisdom in this area. 
perhaps the reason why you are going through what you are experiencing is a lack of wisdom in that area. So consider it first. Are you understanding what I'm sharing with you? So we are sharing about some of the things, and we have said that in the Bible, God will always talk about the wise and the fool, or the foolish, or the simple. And so we are learning about some of the things that unwise people or foolish people do. By the grace of God, you are all wise people. We have clarified that. So now we are talking about things that foolish people do. Now we are talking about them so that we wise people, we will not do these things. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? That we will not do these things. And what are some of the things we say foolish people do? We said, number one, foolish people do not acknowledge God. They do not acknowledge God. Foolish people do not acknowledge God. Hallelujah. Number two, what do they do? Foolish people mock at sin. Foolish people, they mock at sin. Amen. People who are not wise, they treat sin lightly. They think it's a joke. Do you understand? When someone is in some form of sin, they think it's a joke. When someone, a young man, has ability to sleep with a lot of young women, they think they are like the top. They are on top. Yes. They think they are what? Gas man. That man, they are the that man. A person who does that things, he is a that man. What about if a woman is getting all the young men? She thinks she can say it. The woman is slaying all the young men. She says, Oh, this one, I do him. This one, I slay him. This one. I've, oh, I conquered this one. I've con- when a woman is like that, that she also said, she said, that woman, head mistress. You see, you would think that, you would think, you see, that you are the, that man. Is it correct? That man. The, that man. But you see, that is the wisdom of the world. But in the wisdom of God, you are a fool. You are living in sin. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? You are living in sin. You are a fool. And we don't want to be like that. The next one we said, foolish people despise instructions. Foolish people do not take instructions. Foolish people despise instructions. Last week we read a scripture. In Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7, we say, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instructions. Fools despise wisdom. They despise instructions. They don't like to be told what to do. If you are a person that does not like to be told what to do, you are a fool. Do you understand? You are not wise. Amen. So we say, Foolish people despise instructions. Foolish people do not like to be told, do this, do not do that. Foolish people despise the instructions of the word of God. Amen. Isn't that so? 
But we say that the word of God, according to Psalm 12 and verse 6, says, they are pure words. They are pure words, and they have been tried in the fairness of the earth. In the fairness of the earth. In, it has been experienced in the earth. People's lives. They have gone through this fairness. People's life, people's experiences, they have gone through this fairness. Every hot situation, it has gone through this. And it has been tried. Not once. It has been tested. And so when it has gone through the fairness and has been tried, the words of God, when they have gone through this, like you have certain experience, and then the word of God has this to say about it. But you think it is not important. And then you do otherwise. It has been tried. It has been tempted. It has been tested. I mean, it has been tested. Not once, seven times. And it has come out. It has survived. The word of God has been tried. It has been tested. It has gone through fire. And it stands pure. So when God put his word in, his, in the scriptures, they are pure words. They are pure words. Do you understand? It is to bring reproof. You're supposed to analyze your life with it and be reproved by the word of God. It's supposed to be doctrine, pure doctrine for you. It's supposed to be just the way it is. Do you understand? It is doctrine. You should accept it just the way it is. It's supposed to correct you. Do you understand? So if your life is any different from the word of God, and you hear the word of God, and it cannot correct you, you are a fool. It's supposed to give you instructions. It's supposed to give you instructions. And last week, we were talking about some of the instructions that are in the scriptures. When the word of God says that you cannot, you say, do not be equally yoked together with an unbeliever. Means do not marry someone who does not believe in the word of God. Someone who is not a believer of God. Someone who does not believe in the scriptures. When the word of God says that, it does not matter what you think. Accept it as pure doctrine. Accept it as instruction. Do you understand? Last week we learned that the basis for marriage... Basis for marriage was not any man's idea. It was not any man who felt that, you know, why don't we just, as a man and wife, as a man and woman, why don't we just get together and be like a husband and wife and start making children? Do you understand? It was God's idea. It was God's idea. It was God who looked at a woman, a man, saw the man, and said, it is not good. You see, put out a scripture. In Genesis, Genesis chapter 2 and verse what? Verse 7. Genesis 2 and verse 7. You see, the Bible says, And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So you see who created man. It says, Is the it's the Lord God who formed man out of the dust, out of nothing. 
He came up with the idea of a man. He formed man and breathed into his nostrils and there was life in the man and he became alive. Now look at the next verse. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden and there he put the man whom he had formed. Do you understand? The garden was beautiful. If you look at the description of the garden, we don't have time to read a description of the garden, but just go down. Verse nine. The garden was beautiful. The garden had everything. Planted the garden of Eden. He said, out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life. You see, God knew that the man that he has created, he needed food. He needed food. Do you understand? So he made food for the man. In the garden where he was planting, where he was going to place the man. And then the tree of life also in the midst of the garden. And the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The next one, it says, And a river went out of, the Eden, out of Eden to water the garden. And from thence it was parted and became into four heads. So, if you go on to describe the garden, every nice thing. Gold, things, I mean, precious stones, everything that you like. Don't you like gold? Don't you like stones? Do you think it's by accident? God knew that you need them. He knew that the man that I'm formed, he will like these things. Do you understand? How come you don't put gravels on, you know, like you don't put marbles? They're stones. Do you understand? But God put precious stones in there and you have come to like them. Is somebody understand what I'm sharing with you? Look, believe the word of God and take it as it is. He formed you. Amen. If an engineer makes a car, if an engineer designs a car and he says, in this tank, put water and here, Put oil, but in this one, put gas. Believe all three of them. Whether you think that, no, this one is closer to me for me to put water here instead of turning, taking the tap and bringing it all around and putting it here, I'll put the water here. Is somebody understand what I'm sharing with you? What will happen to the car? The car will not move. So the engineer that designed the car. He will tell you precisely what to do with the car to get the maximum benefit of the car. Sometimes the, the engineer that designs the car, he will say, in this car that I've designed, this model that I've put in here, this engine, the type of gas that I recommend is um, a 93 high octane. Is this something like that? Yeah. What's Ernest? Ernest. Is it not correct? Cast like that. He has good knowledge of cast. Yeah. Do you understand? So he says, put this type of gas in the car. And then he says, oh, it's too expensive. I'm not, why? I'm not, I mean, gas is gas. Do you understand? As long as it's full, it's full. And then you decide to put, instead of 93, grade 93, they have grades, by the way, if you don't know, I'm telling you. Because I realize that some places they only have one grade because they know that all the people that come they never buy the high grade do you understand whatever car they drive in they just come they don't read the manual the person who designed the car 
So if you decide to put this instead of that, you realize that as soon as you put a thing in here, you drive from here to the George Washington Bridge and your gas is finished. And then you say they are cheating you. Do you understand? But the engineer who designed it knows what to put in to get the maximum. So when they say, if you put this type of gas in, you'll get 26 miles every hour on a highway or so on and so forth. That is exactly what you will get. Amen. Amen. So the God who designed this, he put all these, look at the bdellium and onyx stone and all of this gold in the, in the land, in the garden. And then the name of the second river is this, the same is it that passes the whole land. And the third river and so on and so forth. Verse 17, verse 17. He said, by the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. Okay, verse 16 first. Let's go to verse 16. He says, and the Lord God commanded the man, saying, of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. The Lord God commanded who? The man. The man. That he should freely eat. He should eat. Was, did the Lord God say the man should starve? That he should be fasting. He says he should freely eat. Okay, now verse 17. And he says, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou shalt, thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. This is how God set man in the garden. Do you understand? This is how God set man in the garden. And he gave his word. He gave instructions. He told him what to do. That he can freely eat. And then, look at verse, go back to um, verse 15. Go back to verse 15. He says, and the Lord God took the man and put him where? In the garden. And when we had read that in the garden, what did God tell the man? To eat before, before we, to eat. So now he put him in the garden and he told the man, he says, dress it and keep it. This is God who made man. And then he said, dress it and keep it. Dress it and keep it. So now go down, verse, seven, verse 18. And the Lord God, after he has put this man in the garden, you see, everything that God created in the creation, everything that he created, the Bible says, and the Lord God looked and said, it is good. You see, no one can correct God. He created the heavens and the earth. And the Bible says he created the, his, he created the moon and the sun. And then he looked and he said, it is good. He created the firmaments. He looked and he said, it is good. He created the animals. He created the, the creeping things and the, the birds of the air and the fish of the ocean. And the Lord God said, it is good. But for this particular thing, the Lord God said, it is not good. Something is wrong with it. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? He says, something is wrong with it. He says, it is not complete. 
It is not good that a man should be alone. Of all the creation, this is the one thing that God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. That I am done, but something is missing. I'm expecting the man to eat. I'm expecting the man to dress the garden. I'm expecting the man to do A, to do B, to B, to do C, to dress the garden and keep it, maintain the garden. To dress something means to maintain it. Clean it up. Remove the weeds. Beautify it. And the Lord God looked at how the man was doing these things, and then he said, it is not good that the man is alone. It is not good that the man is alone. He saw how the man was making the food, eating the food, and the way his food was like compared to the other animals. He looked at the man and said, no, 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 no. It's not good that he's alone. It's not good that he's alone. I will make him and help meet for him. I will make him and help what? Meet for him. Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing with you? So, you see, if he says that when someone does not believe my word, my creation, do not be equally yoked with the person. When someone does not believe my reasoning for making things, when someone is not a believer of what I have written, do not be equally, don't marry such a person. Believe it. Believe it. He said, I will make him and help meet for him. And if you marry someone who does not believe this, that person does not believe that the woman is supposed to be a help meet for the man. That person will think that the woman is supposed to be a slave. That the woman comes to do everything. God put the man in the garden and God was expecting the man to eat. God was expecting the man to clean. Do you understand? God was expecting the man to do the dishes. God was expecting the man to um, sweep. He said, dress it and keep it. And then he saw that the man alone doing all of this was so he realized that need and then he brought the woman into the man's life to help. And now, when the woman arrived, the man says, take over. You do all the cooking. You do all the dishes. You take care of the laundry. You raise the children. And so you see, in our homes, and when the, 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 man, the man is sitting down, and the, the child comes, you have a, a toddler. He says, daddy, daddy, I pee pee. He says, go, 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 go to mommy. Go to mommy. And the man is sitting down. Are you understanding what I'm sharing with you? You see, you need to have the wisdom to understand the word of God, to believe it. He says, go, 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 go to mommy. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? So all the work that God gave to the man to do, to dress it and keep it, eat and do this, the man said, if you don't give me, I'm not eating. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? As if, if the, man did, the woman did not come, the man was not supposed to eat. Listen, I am teaching you something. Now, women, use wisdom and understand. Do you understand? Use wisdom and understand that you are help meet. 
And when you are in a person's life, the person is not supposed to feel any insufficiency. Do you understand? So God brought the man into the, the God brought the woman into the man's life to meet all the needs of the man. That he will be sufficient. Do you understand? That he will be sufficient. So if the man needs to have sexual pleasure, the woman is supposed to be sufficient. Do you understand? Ladies, do you understand what I'm sharing with you? When you are hungry, how much food do you eat? You eat until you are satisfied. Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing with you? You see, that when you are thirsty, what do you drink? Water. How much? You drink enough until your thirst is quenched. Isn't that so? And if you are asking for more water, what does it mean? It means you are not satisfied. Or if you are asking for more food, what does it mean? It means you are still hungry. So when you have sex and you you ask him for more, what does it mean? You are not satisfied. So it means that the woman has to meet the need for satisfaction. The man has to be complete. So this talking like ah ah, what is wrong with you? Huh? Yeah, last night this. <laughs> This morning too. Ah, are you an animal? He's not an animal. The man is hungry. The man needs to be fed. The man needs satisfaction. The man needs completeness. And you will help meet for the man. Are you understanding what I'm sharing with you? But you see, when we despise this wisdom, then it arises. And she says, I am tired. You see, the woman is not supposed to say, I am tired. Now, the reason why the woman is saying, I am tired, and she now is not able to meet that need in the night when you need that satisfaction is because there is a position that you have placed the woman. She is not help anymore, but she has now come to the situation when Adam was by himself doing all the things that the Lord saw that it is not good for the man to be in this situation. Now the woman is in that situation. And so now the woman has become alone and so it is not good for the woman to be alone in the kitchen. It's not good for the woman to be alone in the laundry. It is not good for the woman to be alone with the raising of the children. There is So now there is insufficiency of the woman and she falls short of becoming help, meet for the man. Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing with you? So you leave now, you leave all the responsibility. A person that came to help. The situation that you were in, that God saw, that you were not good to be alone. Now you have left the woman to be alone in that area. And so then she's not sufficient. She can function in other areas. Amen. Amen. And so he says, when someone does not accept all of this, when someone does not understand all of this, they use the wisdom of man 
They use the wisdom of man in the marriage. And it does not work. It does not work. Because man did not create marriage. The one who created marriage, the basis for marriage, this was for the reason. The basis for bringing the woman, this was the reason. Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing with you? Yeah. Anything God says concerning marriage must be taken as a doctrine, whether you understand it or not. And apply it and go by it. And you will see that you will, you will benefit from the, 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 all the good for which it was created. You will benefit from it. Amen. Is somebody understand what I'm sharing with you? So it does not call for the unwise woman to say, hey, I'm, I'm cooking, come and cut the onions. Come and cut the onions. Do you understand? The help, the one that needs help, ask you what to do. But I'm teaching the men to use wisdom. That it is purely okay to say, honey, you're too tired. I'll do the cleaning. You cooked, I'll do the cleaning. It is okay. It is not beyond the man. Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing with you? It is not beyond the man. It is not beyond the man to say that, it's okay, I'll change the diaper. It is not beyond the man. It is the wisdom of God that says, the man is doing this. You need help. Is somebody understand what I'm sharing with you? Or you don't understand? Are the men angry with me? I can continue sharing. Genesis chapter 2, verse 21. It says, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took how many ribs? Oh, are you sure? What Bible are you reading? It says, and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took seven ribs. Seven is a magic number. It's, it's not seven. Perfect number. Seven days. One for Monday, Tuesday. It says, and the Lord God took one of his ribs, one of his ribs, and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman. Made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. Are you reading with me? Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother. Are you understanding what I'm sharing with you? What does therefore mean? 
or be, as a result of this, or for this reason, or because of this, as a result of this. He says, therefore, shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his girlfriend. Leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his aunt that raised him, that loved him so much. Cleave unto his uncle. Cleave unto his um, co-workers, his boss. Cleave unto his friends. Is that the way? He says, for therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife. And they shall be what? They shall be what? One flesh. They shall be one flesh. One flesh. Now, you see, in man's wisdom, in man's scientific wisdom, we see two. We see a man and a woman. Isn't that so? But what I'm teaching you is take the word of God just as it is. And says, if God is saying, this is how he created the woman for the man. That he took one rib and formed the woman. And the two become one flesh. Then take it as if I marry. In the book of uh, Malachi chapter 2. The Bible says that God was a witness. He was a witness. When you made a vow to your wife. He was a witness. He was observing. So take it to mean that this is. God's word, and we have actually become one flesh. One flesh. Amen. Amen. You see, now, if you take that to be that understanding, then, you see, this man, if I split you in half, would you be happy? If I leave you with one eye, how are you going to function? You can't see properly. What about half nose? You see? What about if I split you in half and I give you one leg? What will happen to him? He cannot walk. He will be disabled. Do you understand? He will be disabled. So the Bible says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. And then the Bible says, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. So this is the only time a man and a woman can be naked together and should not be ashamed. Any other time, you should be ashamed. You should be ashamed. You should be ashamed. Take it to mean that it's a shameful thing before the Lord if he has not put you together and you are naked with one another. It's a shameful thing. Shame. Tell your neighbor, shame. Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing with you? When he has not put you together as one flesh and you are naked. He says, and they were naked and they were not ashamed. So this is the only time that the man and the woman should be naked. Together. And not be ashamed. Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing with you? Any other time, it's a shame. Accept the word of God like that. 
accept the word of God like that. And so as the, as the man is interested in you and is promising that I will marry you and I will marry you and he says, but we are going to be married. So what if, why not just let's do it and test it and make sure that we are all happy with each other. You should say shame on you. It's a shameful thing before the Lord even to let this thing come in your mind. Do you understand? It should be a shame. Hallelujah. You don't like my preaching. It should be a shameful thing. Do you understand? You see, Jesus explained it better in Mark chapter 10. Let me, let's go to Mark chapter 10 and verse 6 quickly. Mark chapter 10 and verse 6. He says, but from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. For this cause, for this cause, that means for this reason, shall a man leave his father and mother. Now, we don't have a lot of time, but we will. He says, for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother. So when the man makes a decision to marry, you don't carry your father and mother with you. Do you understand? You don't carry them into the relationship. That everything, let me talk to my father first and let's see what we say. Let me talk to my mother. Let me talk to my father. You do. He says, you shall leave them. Leave them. Leave them. That is why it's supposed to be a man and not boys. This is not for boys. Do you understand? So you don't take them, you see, and accept it. Yes, your father is rich. And, you know, when you, de- when you decide to buy a house and it's him you are going to discuss with, he may give you some money. That, accept the word of God. That if you obey his word, you have sufficient if you are with your wife alone. Accept it like that. Say, for this cause shall a man leave everything that you call your mother. Everything in the marriage you call your mother. God says, no, no, no. Leave your mother out. Leave your father out. And come. And cleave. He says, for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave, cleave to his wife. Be joined to his wife. There should be leaving and cleaving. And cleave to his wife. Verse 8. He says, and they twain, that means they two, shall be one flesh. They shall be one flesh. They shall be one flesh. You are seeing two, but God is saying they are one flesh. It's a spiritual understanding. He says, and they two shall be one flesh. So then, so then, they are no more twain. They are not two. Why should Jesus say that? Because that is what you are seeing. And you think they are two. But the scripture is saying they are no more two. They are not two anymore. Don't make mistake. They are not two. It says, so then they are no more, no more from the time that you came before the Lord and he says, I want to be with you the rest of my life. I also want to be. 
And the Lord witnessed it. He says, at this time, they are not two anymore. They have become one flesh. So then, they are not two, but one flesh. Now, he says, what therefore? What therefore? You see, this is what they didn't understand. And they were using man's wisdom. Because, you see, God said, I put the two together and they have become one flesh. He did not expect that they will be separated. Now, Jesus had to explain it. So, he says, therefore, what God had joined together, let not man, let not man put asunder. It's an instruction. And man should take this instruction and run with it. Let not man, that means let not any man, whether the husband or the wife, let it not occur to you to put asunder. Not your parents. No lawyer should sit and say, you are not worth being together anymore, so separate. No man, let not man. That means that no flesh should even attempt to break this. The only thing that can break this is a spiritual thing. Let not man. And so when you feel that I want to be out of this marriage, I want to be out of this relationship, a spirit has entered into you. And it's not of God. Because when God put the two together, it was never intended to be separated again. You have to have that wisdom. You have to have that understanding. When you are making a decision to get into this, it's not I will try and if it doesn't work, I will come out. It says, what therefore God had joined together, let not man put asunder. That is why when we officiate wedding, it says, if anyone will separate you, if anyone will bring, it is the devil. Therefore, give him no place. If anyone, if anyone will break this union, it is the devil. Therefore, give him no place. Give him no place. Whenever you feel a strong edge to come to a decision to say, I am out. I don't want this anymore. A spirit has entered into you. And that spirit is what is driving this. You see, go to... We don't have time. We don't have time. We don't have time. We have communion. We don't have time. Amen. Let us just read one scripture and then we go. Go to Malachi chapter 2. I believe um, I'll show you quickly. The book of Malachi. You have the message. Okay. All right. Uh, Malachi chapter 2 and um, let's read from verse verse 13. 
Malachi chapter 2, verse 6. It says, and here is a second offense. You fill the place of worship with your whining and sniveling because you don't get what you want from God. You don't get what you want from God. You are praying and you are not receiving answers. Do you know why? Simply. This is the this is simply because God was there. God was there as a witness when you spoke your marriage vows to your young bride. God was there as a witness. You see, sometimes, you see, we don't believe the, even coming before a man of God to officiate your wedding, you don't believe that God is there. He's a man of God. And God is there as a witness. That because you have brought it before not a lawyer, not a judge, but a man of God, then God is there as a witness. He says, because, you see, you don't get answers to your prayers. You don't receive what you want from God. It's says, simple. You see, I want you to consider all of these things when you are making a decision to enter into marriage with someone. It says, because God was there as a witness. When you spoke your marriage vows to your young bride, and now you've broken those vows, broken the faith bond with your vowed companion, your covenant wife, you're broken the vows. What are some of the vows that we take when we are getting married? Is it for better or for worse? In sickness and in death. Isn't that so? In, in riches, in poverty, in adversity. Don't we make those vows? So you see, when the, when the woman felt that this man is interested in me, this one is interested in me, that one is interested in me, that one is interested in me, and then you came, and then you say, I'm interested in you. And he says, I forgo all of this, and I choose you. I forgo all of this, and I choose you. And then you brought her to make these vows, that if you have accepted to receive me, if you have accepted to marry me, isn't that what we do? Will you marry me? Isn't that what we do? And he says, as a lot of times, you see, I'm a pastor in a church, and I have had a little bit of experience where even women, they are contemplating John, James, Mark, Matthew, or Reverend, I'm not, I'm not sure which one. I'm confused. Do you understand? They have these options. But when they say, when she finally says, well, I have prayed about it, and I'm settled that this is the person. It means that he has considered all of these persons, and then he has chosen you. And then you bring her, and you make these vows. And says, when you are like this, I'll still marry you. When you are like that, I'll still marry you. When you are like this, I'll still marry you. When you are like that. He says, you break the vows. You break, he says, and now you've broken those vows. Broken the faith bond vows. Do you understand what is faith bond vows? Faith bond vows is that I am believing that I will still be able to live with you. No matter what happens. And now you are saying that, ah, I didn't know your mouth was like this. 
I can't marry you anymore. I didn't know your cooking was like this. I can't marry you anymore. I didn't, you see, the woman knew the kind of person she was. And she knew her weaknesses. And she tested and saw the way, the way you relate to God. The way you pray. The way you, you, you cry before the Lord. The way you study the scriptures. The way you are that I can depend on this one. Knowing my weaknesses, this is the person who can contain me. And so I choose this one. So for you now to say that because of this and this and that, I cannot be with you. He says that you have broken the faith bond with your vow companion. You have, con- you, he said, you have broken that faith bond with your covenant wife. You have broken that bond. It is a let down. You have let the woman down. You have let her down. That she, 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 thought, she thought you were so spiritual. She thought you had the love of God. She thought that you can contain the way she was. And so she made a big mistake choosing you. Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing with you? He says you are broken the faith bond with your vowed companion, your covenant wife. Verse 15, he says, God, not you. Are you reading with me? He says, God, not you, not any tribe, not the white man, not the black man, not the Australians. He says, God, not you, made marriage. God made marriage. His spirit inhabits even the smallest details of marriage. The spirit of God. You see, you will not know, but the spirit of God will be in the bedroom. The spirit of God will be in the bedroom when you are, when you are planning. He's coming. He doesn't know. He doesn't know. He has no idea. He thinks he's going to get me today. The spirit of God is inheriting that, that detail of that area. That you say, I will put on, today I'm wearing shorts. You put on jeans and put a belt. And God is watching. In the bedroom, he says, every detail of the marriage. He's keeping eye on every. He says, the spirit of God, the spirit of God inhabits even the smallest detail of marriage. The smallest detail. The smallest detail. That you are angry and you are cooking and then you say, uh, he says he doesn't like pepper. Then you put a lot of pepper so that he doesn't, his stomach will run. God is watching that. God is watching your mind. To, uh, I will show him. He doesn't treat me nicely. He doesn't. And then you put in too much salt because that's the only food left in the house today. He better eat the food. He better eat the food. Otherwise, he will starve. Is somebody understand what I'm sharing with you? He says, the Spirit of God inhabits every detail, every detail, every detail of marriage. And what does he want from marriage? Children of God. That's what. So God, the spirit of marriage within you. It is the spirit of marriage within you. That is why, you see, it is within us. That is why you find marriage in every group of people. Everywhere you go. Man was made by God and he put the spirit of marriage in them. So you get to a certain stage, you have a desire to marry. Because the spirit of marriage is within you. So guard that spirit. Guard the spirit of marriage within you. Don't cheat on your spouse. Touch your neighbor. 
Don't cheat on your spouse. Now, cheating is cheating. Today, we don't have time to go into that detail about cheating. Do you understand? But I'll explain to you cheating. Cheating is not just because you slept with another man or another woman. Cheating is cheating. You can cheat in conversation. Do you understand? You can cheat with time. You can cheat with cooking. Do you understand? We know that when you go to work, there are some people you go to lunch with. Especially, you have never taken your wife for lunch ever before. You are cheating. Does somebody understand what I'm sharing with you? You don't like my message. Does somebody understand what I'm sharing with you? Are you learning something today? He says, so guard the spirit of marriage within you. Don't cheat on your spouse. And then verse 16, he says, I hate divorce. I hate divorce. Says who? The God of Israel. He says, I hate divorce. When you are contemplating on divorcing, think of something that God says bluntly in the scripture. I hate it. I hate it. I hate divorce. He says, Says the God of Israel, God of the angel armies, says, I hate the violent. Are you reading with me, church? He says, I hate the violent dismembering of the one flesh of marriage. I hate the violent. When you are divorcing, it is one flesh that he has put together. You are dismembering violently. Violently. You are tearing the brain into half. You are tearing the mouth into two halves. You are tearing the nose into two pieces. You are breaking. Violently. 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 That is how God sees divorce. Because what he has put together, he says they have become one flesh. So when you decide to separate them, it is a violent dismembering. Violent dismembering. It is like you, you, have, you have chicken, you, you know, and you are not even nicely cutting it. You are breaking the two apart, tearing them. It's a violent dismembering. Now imagine doing that to an alive chicken. You hold the two legs. You see, you can't, you can't even figure yourself doing that to chicken. But you are doing that to yourself. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? He says, it's a violent dismembering. Don't let, he says, so watch yourselves. Watch yourselves. Watch yourselves. Don't let your guards down. Don't let your guards down. Don't cheat. Watch yourselves. Watch yourselves. It's a violent dismembering. It's a violent dismembering. You see, if you do not know, Talk to anyone. You see, you may choose not to believe the word of God, but talk to even unbeliever who has gone through divorce and ask, how is it what you are experiencing? They will tell you how violently they have been dismembered. That they will say to you, I do not wish this for my worst enemy. Divorce. Let's put our hands together for the Lord and stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet.
Father, we are thankful and grateful. Holy word, oh, Jesus. Lord, glory to your name, Jesus. Yes, Jesus, thank you. In this world, thank you, Jesus. Glory, with God's own heart. Oh, let the ancient words impart holy words, Lord, preserve for our oh, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We thank you. Thank you for understanding of the scriptures. Thank you for your word. Give you glory. Give you honor. Ancient words ever true. Thank you, Jesus. Changing me. Glory and honor unto you. Come with open heart, oh, let the ancient words thank you, thank you for your word, thank you for instructions, thank you for doctrine, oh, Jesus, thank you for correction, thank you for reproof, thank you. And the scriptures they come to instruct us, to teach us, direct us. Yes. There's so many things that we do not know what to do. But thank you for direction. Thank you for your word. Glory and honor. They refresh us. They water us. They transform us. Let our minds be renewed by the word. For the last time. Oh, Jesus. And true. we are thankful and grateful for your word this afternoon we thank you for the wisdom of your words oh the creator of the heavens and the earth the alpha and the omega we are grateful oh jehovah we thank you for such wisdom we thank you for the understanding of your words understanding of the scriptures we give you glory thank you holy spirit for teaching us for imparting such wisdom into us. We glorify your name. We give you honor in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. With open heart, oh, let the ancient words impart. 
if there's anyone here this afternoon you are not born again you want to give your life to jesus if that is you you are saying pastor pray with me i want to come to jesus i want jesus christ into my life i want to be a believer i want to be born again if that is your prayer you want to receive jesus christ as your savior with all eyes closed and every head bowed lift up your hand and i'll pray with you anyone here like that you want to welcome jesus into your life anyone here like that anyone here like that father we are grateful do you hear god calling you you are the one lift up your hand and i'll pray with you anyone here like that anyone father we are thankful and grateful this afternoon in jesus name and all the saints join and say a loud amen amen can i hear a loud amen amen glory to We hope you have been blessed immensely by this message. Join us at 1734 Williamsbridge Road in the Bronx on Sunday afternoons and Tuesday evenings. For copies of this and other messages, contact us via email at lci.bronx at gmail.com.